I'm so glad to see that you're feeling better. You had a very close call. But you're gonna be all right. Now, just lie still. I'm gonna give you something. It's gonna make you feel even better. So tell me what you want, what you really, really want. So I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. What you want, what you want, what you really want. I want a new episode of the Bearded Dicks Musical Musical Fun fun time. Time. I sure do. All right, well, we're back. We're here. We're ready, and we're bringing it to you like the Spice Girls brought it to London. <coughs> Hard, and, uh, heavy, and five five fingers deep. This is the Bearded Dicks musical fun time. You think we could get them to do a collab with us? Yeah. They're not doing anything anymore. They're free. There's their, their manager called me recently. He said, what's good with Concrete Mascara? I said, what's good with the girls? Nice. And then we exchange dick pics. <laughs> so this is uh, numero cuatro, or go, in, or no, each ni san, yo, yo. Yo. It's yo. yo. It's yo. It's yo in Japanese for four. It's number four. We're here. We're back. We're ready. We're doing it. We are on fire. Quite literally, I spilled a lot of lighter fluid on myself earlier tonight, and when I lit my cigarette, I did in fact burst into flames. And I did nothing, and I just stared in awe of the yeah. true majesty of it. Well, we often talk about how the best part of any film is the part where there's a guy on fire walking around, and he's like, whoa! That's true. And so, in the spirit of that, neither of us did anything to help me, and it was magical. Uh, it was really good. Yeah. So, yeah. In an effort to keep it interesting and... Well, really that. And also because I do occasionally listen to things outside of drum and bass, this week I'll be featuring no drum and bass in my disco box selection. So why don't we pry that bitch open? Dick Fetty, I had no idea you listened to other things besides drum and bass. This is all news to me. I know, I know. For our longtime listeners, you probably are well aware that I enjoy bands such as Mortician and also Hooded Menace and at times more Mortician. But also three six mafia because I'm a man of the world. So let me just uh, let me just get this get this box over here. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So yeah, I'm not recommending drum and bass, but I am recommending Rim Rimey Rim. No one knows how to say their name. I still don't. I'm sure they do. They might, they might, but the British duo Rhyme, I think it's Rhyme, 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 I think of it as Rhyme, but the E is probably silent. Anyways, yeah, they, they, their sound comes from, so I'm recommending their first album, definitely not their second album, and before I get into the album itself, I want to just discuss sort their lineage, their influences, whatever come from drum and bass, they come from dubstep, grime, basically UK bass-oriented dance music genres. And from the get-go, they took those sounds and brought it into sort of a dark ambient-ish kind of a thing. And their first record was the first release on the British label Black is Ever Black, which is a strange hub that mixes post-punk and 
weirdo like it's not indie tronica but it's it's something that way pre- precedes that uh i think they recently did a fad gadget reissue and they've done like a lot of like weirdo british shit that goes from dance music to dark ambient to avant-garde and back again and um they they have a real weird hodgepodge of influences and rame's first 12 inch features what i was led to believe was a Essentially a remix of a Coil song, although I read somewhere recently that maybe it was an Eilis and Gaza song. I thought it was Coil, but then I couldn't place that anymore, <laughs> so I'm not sure. But um, their their first three records for the label were some of the most important as far as the formation of the image and sound of the label. And are this, basically are all like in the style of this twisted club music that like now is no longer barely club music. It's good for a club system, but it's not stuff you dance to. And it's like just so tightly coiled that there is, there's no release. It's all anxious energy. It's stuff you writhe to, not dance to. Exactly. But not even that, like honestly, I mean, it's really stuff you take ketamine to and listen to on your headphones. Like it's, it's that kind of shit. And they're, they're first through 12 inches. Each one was better than the last. I think it was their second one featured an incredibly good remix by Regis of the song This Foundry, which is on the first 12-inch, and then was later remixed by the band for their album. And part of what makes this album so incredible is it's, I mean, it is gorgeously produced and meticulously so. The, every song is compact. They all fall within, like, the five- to six-minute range, and they... Are, it's basically like dark ambient with a club pulse, but like a, a slow one, but still like sort of this this underlying club music element to it all. But with, it, it's like, I don't know how to describe it. Well, I'm going to try. So it's kind of like Godspeed You Black Emperor's weird, noisier elements combined with something like Source Direct's anxious, futuristic dread meets Jarl or... Um, the easier touchstone would be like Lustmord or Nade or Yen Pox, any of the bigger name dark ambient groups that he has that they have a cinematic quality, but it's a much more contained way, less sprawling kind of a thing. And the, the first song on the album is like immediately super foreboding, really like dark stuff. And then the second one is the last foundry, which is this new version of this foundry, which is almost the highlight of the album to me now. I listened to that song the other day over the weekend when it was all super windy and dark and shit, uh, like 10 times in on Sunday. It was just, I'm like, oh yeah, this song is the fucking tits. And the album features this female dancer who's in this like contorted pose and the perspective of the album, like the, the photograph is as if she's like on the side of a wall rather than on the floor. Right. And the album gets like just, well... Not better, but it sort of amps up with every song, and then it ends with uh, the the last two tracks are um, Your Cast Will Never Tire, and then The Dimming of Road and Rights, which are incredible. And I'll talk more about what's happened to Rame since, but this album came out in 2012. I was still drinking. I, I'm near positive I bought it when I came out, but I in pre- preparation for this episode... I couldn't even remember, 
I don't remember when I bought it. Right. And I don't remember if I did drugs to it or if I didn't. I guess I must have if I bought it before I got sober. Probably. Because this is drug music. <laughs> but um, it it's just like, it kills me that I, I don't really know. But what really brought it home was when we saw them play live. Yeah. And so... Ben and I had the incredible pleasure and, and like amazing experience to see them perform live. And having listened to the album many times leading up to that point, the live show, as far as the sound aspect of it, didn't seem to stray too far from the recorded material. So there was, to my mind, a little bit of a question of how much were they really playing the songs like in Ableton or on hardware or whatever. Sorry, rather Ableton, not Ableton. Um... But it didn't really matter because, first of all, we saw it in Philadelphia in a super small seated venue, which is this church sanctuary that's part of a larger church that used to be a big DIY space. And the sound system was kind of lacking. I still yeah, remember the bass bottoming out at times. But we were sitting in these pews in this stone chapel with like 50 other people and our friend uh, Daffy, who's she's an incredible artist and used to be part of my project. And the big important part of the show was the projection that they did during it, which was like Insane. fucking amazing. Yeah. yeah. So that every song had its own film and they were all, I guess like whatever that still picture came from was like the same group they worked with to do the, the videos I would assume. And I don't remember what the, I think the first one was the first one where it was like the fire was like dripping, like in super slow motion yeah. So everything was in super slow motion and it was so fucking cool. It was like these crystal clear images of like single guys or girls in abandoned warehouses, like in piles of like rubble and dirt. And one of them was, I think it was the fourth song was like underwater where it was just like, it almost seemed like deep ocean type of like currents changing. It was very minimal, but the, it, it was, it was, the videos were fucking amazing. Like, they were I was, spot on. Yeah, I was immediately floored and I was just like, this is like the coolest thing I've ever seen. There was one of the, I think it was one of the later, it was definitely, well, it was definitely one of the later songs, but it was a guy with an upside down table just like swinging it around in slow motion. It was the, it was the second to last song. Yeah, and it was just the slow motion of the dirt flying off because the, the table's being torn around. And that mixtured with the music, I, I honestly can't say where else that video would fit, let yeah. alone perfectly outside of this show that we went to. Yeah, I mean, it only made context, like, it would probably be uninteresting. Like, I've been dying for them to release these videos with the album accompanying it, like, the music accompanying it, to watch them at home. Because I think it would be, like, an incredible visual experience just sitting with headphones on watching it alone in the dark. But... It's not flashy like a lot of really cool music videos are. Like, they were so much... They were so perfect for the music. It was, like, dark ambient in a non-corny way to these incredible, like, artsy, avant-garde visual type stuff. And the... Like, I remember the fire in slow motion, like, dripping down. I remember some guy, like... It's like the Peter Gabriel album cover. I think it's for his third album where he looks like he's tearing through, like, this... Like, the air in front yeah. of him with his fingers... And it was just like that and like these buildings like crumbling, but like in, it was so fucking cool. It was so fucking cool. And I think they were the only, like, it was just them it that was, played, they right? They were the only ones that played. And it was so interesting because 
like Dick Fetty had mentioned, it was it's a very small venue, and you're pretty much sitting in what feels like a church closet because the room is so small. Yeah. And everything, there's no other lights outside of this projection, and it it was very easy just to get lost in the music and the video representation of yeah. the music and almost feel like you were experiencing this alone, which was very interesting and very cool. Absolutely, yeah. It was it was like an out-of-body experience and, and like really profound as far as... Uh, you know, like what you can do with a live performance and, you know, which is why like to me, like how much they performed the music and how much they changed it was really secondary to like how well it all worked together. And I've, the only other show I've been to electronic wise that was even close was when I saw Monolake do his surround sound mix of ghosts and some other songs uh, around that album in New York, but like I was dancing and I was also hammered drunk by the time he played. So it was all kind of spotty. Like the visuals were very cool and it very much fit with his music, but it wasn't like they were abstract in a way that one would expect from like highly digital music. Right. Not, they were not like artistically like perfectly synced. Like that was the other thing was like the music and the videos were so incredibly synced, but not like in a way that like pixels popped up when beats hit. It was like, full like on directed images matched with the sounds in a way that was just like holy shit like you know i mean it's what a good movie does but to see it in the context of of music really just set it apart from anything i've ever seen like it's like top five favorite shows of all time like that i still reflect on it and think like i am so glad we went to that because we almost bailed i feel like i did almost almost bail bail on that show so my first recommendation is that album. I want to quickly speak about, they did a follow-up EP after the album a year or two later. Um, and that, I think I mentioned that came out in 2012. Uh, this side project called Moin, which sort of hinted at where they were going to go. And they took like a way, like they brought it way closer to like a post-punk sound, but deconstructed rather than dark ambient. And it had like repeated vocal motifs and some other stuff like this. That was really good and a really tight little 12 inch. And then they put out their second album after all these years of waiting and they stripped that approach down even further. And essentially what we got was like eight songs that sounded almost exactly identical one to the next to the next. And I was so disappointed because before I bought it, I saw all these reviews coming out of like, what the fuck is this? Like after the masterpiece of their first album, this is what we get. So I was like, fuck this, I'm downloading it first because I'm not going to pay for all that shipping from the UK to get a shitty mm. album. And was just like immediately like, are you kidding me? Because the, the song they previewed was good on its own and any one of the songs would have been good on a 12-inch. But like, it is the same kind of guitar, like short guitar snippets, the same kind of bass. Like, you know, every song has its own thing, but the songs are super repetitive and they all have almost exactly the same song palette so that you could switch between songs halfway into each one and you're like, I can't tell which one is which. Right. So I have completely stopped following them. They're, they're doing stuff now that's supposed to be like sort of ambient grime and whatever and it's probably interesting. But after that, like I just I have no faith. And honestly, it doesn't matter because like this album is perfect. Like I don't need another one. I mean, I would love to get another album in this vein, but... I can't imagine they're ever going to top it. Like, it's an incredible, uh, you know, freshman release. So, uh, so yeah, so that's my first Disco Box recommendation. It is, if you're anywhere that's getting cold this time of year, you should check this album out if you haven't heard it before. And if you're into, like, 
the noisier side of dark ambient it's totally worth listening to and if you haven't heard this and you're into more electronic music then you're missing out you got to check it out and it's still i think relatively available for reasonable prices it came out on both cd and double lp and uh the vinyl pressing i have sounds gorgeous it looks really good the cd is probably like for music of this high fidelity i'd almost say like buy the cd too or get like the a download of the digital files from the cd because mm -hmm. it really does help but the yeah it's it's fucking great so um my next album is somewhat similar it is the debut album by the german duo oak and it's called offer stay hung off offer stung stay hung and it came out on downwards in 2014 and this is this is another album that's kind of unlike anything else and and you know, I just gushed for 20 minutes about Rame's album, but like, it does sound like nothing else. Like it's, it's phenomenal in its own right, just for that. And this is another one where Oak is like a band that's so completely unique in their approach, their sound, their style. There's no, they're like an amalgamation of 10 different things I like, but they create something completely new that when I'm craving their sound, there's nothing else that is a substitute. It's either Oak or Bust. So the first thing to note with them is that Almost all of their albums and song titles and all the rest are like a pseudo made up language that I think is like partially German, but then they have a lot of just like nonsense words yeah. and shit like that. So when I give the album title as I just did, or I'm going to mention two specific songs, I'm just trying to guess at the pronunciation. Do the best that we can. <laughs> yeah, so just note that. But much like Rame, they started off with some very promising 12 inches first before they dropped this album there was their so all of them were on downwards originally there was the first one uh which had this incredible well the video is not even incredible but it really was amazing when i was on a shitload of mushrooms and um as a lot of things are <laughs> yeah true true but the first so i got into oak because i heard a sample of one of their songs from their first 12 inch and then i saw the video and literally that night I was taking mushrooms, so I was like, this has to be part of this trip. It was one of the last times I took mushrooms. And we listened, my buddy and I listened to the song and watched the video like five or six times. And the video is all like archival document documentary footage of wolves in like the Pacific Northwest or like Alaska yeah, or Canada I've or something. The, yeah, yeah, I've watched the video. And um, it's like really fitting for the music that's like super creepy and cold, but has like these female vocals that are uh, uh, like very ethereal and they're sort of this glossolalia style like nonsense words type of things just like cooing and humming and but it's like sinister but then it has all these like intricate beats it's like a little bit IDM it's a little bit like industrial techno quote unquote it's a little bit just industrial like it's all over and then it also reminds me a lot of uh, Burial at certain times and so like that 12 inch was awesome and then they did a second 12-inch where it got, like, significantly darker, um, but in some ways wasn't as good. And then I was just sort of, they kind of went on the back burner for me. And I got this album, so it came out in 2014, but I don't think I picked it up until late 2015. It was, yeah, it was like the fall of 2015 that I heard it, and it, it had come out a little less than a year before that it came out right at the end of 2014 and um i was fucking blown away 
because much like Graham's first album, nothing could have prepared me from the transition to like really good, interesting 12 inches to like an incredible, fully thought out magnum opus album that was just like so utterly complete and like just kicked things up a notch in every single department. Like the songs are more interesting, they're more complex. The narrative arc of the album is like totally well thought out. The vocals take an incredible like center stage whenever they're in the songs. And it was just like fucking amazing. And then I immediately showed it to you because I was yeah. like, holy shit. And we wound up playing a lot of Bloodborne to it. Like, All of Bloodborne to most it. Most of Bloodborne to it, yeah. And so what makes this album so amazing to me is it basically is, I mentioned Jarl before, and I think in one of my, I forget if it was in the, the, the Finnish Noise um, episode. I think at some point I've mentioned IRM, uh, which is a Swedish electronic group. But there's the one guy from the group, Jarl, who does his own Dark Ambient stuff. And it's basically like Jarl's Dark Ambient Productions meets Dead Can Dance, which is this incredible ethereal wave slash post-punk, whatever, like world music. They've gone all sorts of different places, neoclassical shit. If you don't know Dead Can Dance, like, go check yeah, out Dead Can Dance. definitely go t- check them out. They're one of those bands that has a huge discography where every album is its own thing, but they're all amazing. Their, their last, like, studio album after their comeback was fucking awesome, and um, Within the Realm of the Dying Sun is, like, their other one that's just, like, top form. And this band very much has that sort of epic, like, aspect to their music, and... Uh, it sounds ancient, even though it's very modern in its production and stuff. But there's a lot of like huge drums that sound like like marching, not march, like like big like bass drums and timpani drums that have this like medieval like kind of like. It, it's very creeping and it has this overall just extreme presence to yeah. it. Yeah, it, it, it's there's like a spiritual aspect, a medieval aspect, like a very European aspect in the sound, and there's there's other groups that definitely I, I would say like are influential and to sort of even coil to a point although with none of the whimsy but it's just like it's music unlike anything that you've ever heard and if you like dead can dance like it's way creepier than dead can dance there's yeah, none of like the medieval shakespearean kind of shit it's way just like medieval torture chambers but not just that like also epic journeys of like a night to a foreign land kind of thing like it, it it is music for a fucking soundtrack if ever there was which is what makes it work so perfect with bloodborne sort of like ancient beasts meets body horror meets like pseudo modern victorian eh, steampunk ish a little bit like yeah. that amalgam of of things i think is like sort of a a really good visual representation of what they do yeah i mean i don't Every time I even see Bloodborne now, all I can think about is Oak. Yeah. And uh, the two songs that are super noteworthy, it's only come out on vinyl, and they finally just did a repress because it was selling for crazy money for a while. Uh, the The fourth song on the first disc, uh, which is like the second song on the B-side, is called Zweites Bach Var Gerstein, or Genstein. I can't read my own writing. Um... That one is like six and a half minutes of this building, like it gets in this like doom, doom, ding, doom, and like the vocals like swell, and it's just like oh my god, like this epic trek across like some like steampunk castle thing. It's fucking sick. And then the other one is the first song on the uh, second disc, which is uh, Viertus Buck Mortrer 
Mortray Wind, which is like I don't know, like Death Wind or something. I something <laughs> something like that. Death Wind. Yeah, but it starts off with this like immediate bass synth that's like, and just like this like it's way less openly abrasive than I'm making it sound. It, it is. But it's just like, it's oh my like, god. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it's it's super fucking cool. And I, as soon as I heard that, I was like, this is my favorite song right here. Yeah, like, it's a good fucking song. Yeah, it's really cool. And um, yeah, it's just like a, an amazing album. I could... I, it's one of those things, well, when I first got it, I was listening to it like crazy. I was like, there's nothing else to listen to right now. This is it. I remember I went on a really shitty Tinder date in Princeton and I drove up listening to it, and then my date went quite poorly, and I drove back listening to it, and I was like, this is so much better than that stupid <laughs> date. I was like, this album is, like, going to last me a lifetime. That date lasted me two hours. But, um... I mean, I, I agree. It's very good soundtrack music. If you play any of the horror games that we've recommended on the on the podcast, or even, like, reading a book, I, I remember I was reading some Lovecraft while listening to it, and it was like, mm, mm. So, like, mm, so good. Like, yeah. so perfect. And it just it just fits everything without distracting you too much. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, I would you know if you're interested in that kind of thing at all, it's very much in the lineage of what Downwards, which is Regis's label, is all about. Uh, it takes all the influences that he's always been trying to put together, and you know his the the label has developed so hugely from being just like a hard techno British label to this stable house for post-punk bands and shoegaze bands and and weirdo industrial techno and like goth industrial like just a whole thing and this band sort of wraps it all wraps the whole labels idea and aesthetic into one incredible package and they've done uh they did a digital ep that's really good after the album um it's one of the uh ah shit I can't think of what they're called. There's um, uh, arbistropic, stro strobic artifacts or arbistropic something like that. Anyway, uh, that EP is really good. And then they did something on Saints, uh, a more recent EP. They did a remix of it too, which I haven't heard a remix EP. But the most recent one on Saints is really good. But I'm hoping that they're going to do another album because everything they've continue to put out has just been incredibly solid the album is definitely the best thing they've done so far as far as i'm concerned but i'm always interested to hear more of what they're doing and they're they're one of those groups where it's like i just immediately buy it when it comes out whatever not even question out. yeah no there is there's no need to so um my last disco box recommendation for tonight is tropic of cancer's first album restless idols which is uh came out in 2013 and is post-punk or dark wave or cold wave or drone it depends on who you ask and who's trying to sell you the record and to what audience but i basically think of it as being post-punk although you know everybody says post-punk was dead after 89 or whatever um it's hard to describe so it's I mean, Ethereal Wave in some ways is the best because it's very, like, ethereal music, but it's anchored, all of their releases are essentially anchored for the most part up until their most recent EP by, like, the most brittle drums you've ever heard. And the project is the project of uh, Camilla Lobo, who is um, the wife of the guy who does Silent Service, um, whose name escapes me at the moment. 
but originally he was much more involved in the production of the records. And so their first couple 12 inches were all on downwards. And then they started like jumping onto a bunch of different weird European labels. Mannequin was one of them. Sleeper Hold was another. And then they put this album out also on Blackest Ever Black, like Reem's album. And uh, Regis from Downwards did the production for this one. And the drums are a lot less brittle than they were early on. Their earliest stuff is like, the vocals are completely indecipherable. It's a lot of it's just like a female sort of moaning like she's drowning in the distance or something. And uh, it's it's very much like super gray take on sad, like pseudo-punk kind of shit. It, it, and, it, and we're not talking like Susie Sue and the Banshees. There's no energy. This is yeah, no. low energy <laughs> music. It's very much like music for a, a heroin overdose, you know, like music for a heroin overdose for a rich white woman, but not even really though, because it's way more like hipster mm. art kids. Yeah, no, it's you know just that under that. It's definitely a somewhat effeminate. Wears a lot of black, maybe black fingernail polish. ODing boy in his room. Yeah, okay, that's probably the more accurate. And but I love it because so they have like an incredible visual aesthetic that has permeated everything they've done. Uh, now with all the things they've done on black is different black they have some photographer who does it and it's like they use all these it's sort of a teal like sea foamish color somewhere between there mm -hmm. and the album covers like a candelabra and i think also a hand on it and then like the seven inch lead up to this was like a hand holding lipstick i want to say and then like their most recent 12 inch is like a woman bent over in front of two like 70s big plush chairs but it's not like a sexual position she's just like bent over and this it's very like interesting it's perfect art for the music yeah. like it's it is like it harkens back to the 70s but also like the 30s in a certain kind of a way and it all is this dreamy lovelorn music that's it just sounds like like you're just you're just on the edge of an overdose yeah. and <laughs> Like, the visual aesthetics make me think of a rich white woman, but then the reality is probably something much closer to what mm -hmm. Ben said. Um, but she's incredibly talented, and this album for me came out during a time when I was just getting back into a super toxic relationship. I was fucking miserable, and I, like, j desperately wanted to die, and I didn't have a drink to soften that pain. And then this album came out, and, like, the first full song on it is called Court of Devotion, and it's like, you can't run, run away from love. Like, this world isn't big enough. And, you know, all this shit. And the way it's delivered is, like, by somebody who's just, like, on a shitload of cough syrup in a room, like, three rooms over. And the guy who's recording it's, like, you know, like, OD'd on the couch or whatever. It, it reminds me a lot of Joy Division's better, I'll say it, better uh, second album, Closer, Better, better record than the first. First record is a great record, but Closer is the better one. It's the more mature. It's just more interesting. Motel Hell up. has two stands. Ghost sucks, <laughs> and the second Joy Division album is better than the first. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we took a stand on something else. What was it? Oh, Zero or F Zero is is a uh, shit compared you to. You took I a stand on that. Yeah. I've agreed with these things you've you've said previously. Don't uh, know if I agree with the F Zero yeah, yeah, one, yeah, but yeah. I'll give it to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. uh... The only downside to the album, and I'll end with this, well, I'm not going to end with this, but, um, is, so I had been feverishly collecting everything Tropic of Cancer did after their, like, third record when I first heard them, and have gone back and have collected all the old stuff, too, which was expensive, 
and uh, and again, like they're the they're a band with like such a unique and 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 singular sound. Like a lot of people say, ah, oh, this is all style over substance, and maybe that's true. But enough people like that style that they feverishly collect it, just like I do. And all their old shit's like fucking stupid expensive now. Um, but a lot of the songs on this album, like half of the album, are songs that were already on EPs before that. So I was a little disappointed that they finally do their debut. And while the songs were re-recorded to have a homogenous production style, it's like one of the highlights is Children of a Lesser God. Well, that was on the I Feel Nothing 12-inch on Sleeper Hold, which now sells for like 100 bucks or more, but I had that record. And uh, Wake the Night was also on that record. And then More Color was on their live 12-inch split with Hate Rock, which is like, I had heard that. Then they did a 7-inch version, and I had that already. And it was like, okay... And all of the original songs, almost all the original songs in the album are way more instrumental and way less like song songs. Mm -hmm. And they're really good. They kind of in a certain way harken back to the older stuff. Court of Devotion being the one uh, that's different than that in the sense of it's more of a traditional song. Although they had released a live video of it or like a music video version of it before the album came out. So even that wasn't totally new. But the new songs are still really good, and in the context of the way the album flows, they make a lot of sense. The The one is that I really like is The Seasons Won't Change and Neither Will You. Um, but it's it's solid gold, and if you don't have any familiar, familiarity with the band, it's a great place to start. Um, again, because their old 12 inches are so hard to find, like you just basically have to download them now if you don't already own them. Uh, but I will say they're one one of the few bands that I desperately would love to see live. Uh, the woman, Taylor Birch from Deva Damas, does the drum machine and synth stuff for the live performances with Camilla Lobo. And it's like these two austere looking women who like wear these like, I don't know, like their outfits, their makeup, their, their faces. They both have like very... Uh, I don't want to say jagged, but like strong angular faces. <laughs> yeah. And they just like look as miserable and as uh, disengaged as one would expect from the music to sound. I like would fucking kill to see them. And I had tickets to see them in New York in 2013, right after this album came out. But I was newly sober and it was at a club and they weren't playing till like three in the morning. And I was like, I don't think I can safely go to that event and stay awake and do all the things I need to do to enjoy it. So I had to sell the tickets to somebody. So, you know, one day hopefully I'll get a chance to see them before they break up or stop doing what they're doing. And they've been kind of quiet for a while, so I'm a little worried. But, yeah, those are my Disco Box recommendations. you have anything to add to all that before we close it? No, no. Good job. You did great. Oh, thanks. So, I'm doing something a little different. This time. Um, a book review? No. <laughs> yeah, you're real funny. <laughs> Shut up. There are two different reviews of two different things, but they're one and the same. Okay. So, uh, you ever hear of Corpse Party? Yeah. Corpse Party is a video game, which, of course, I'm doing another video game, but um, I have been playing it a bit more recently. I kind of put it down for a while after I'd finished it only because my first go around only because I no longer like my 2DS and would like a bigger version of my 2DS but luxury problems mm. anyway so 
the specific one I'm reviewing is Corpse Party, the Back to School Edition. So they're the games have been released for PC and PSP, and we never got a true 3DS version in America until it was uh, October 25th, two years ago. Okay. Two years ago, yeah. So I was super ex excited about this game coming out when I had heard about it, because I've been trying to find a way to play it, and unfortunately I haven't been a PC gamer in a long time, so I've never played the original I'm not going to go out and spend money on a fucking PSP just to play this game. Sure. So, the one that they had produced, which is also called Corpse Party Blood Covered Repeated Fear, is a remake of the original. Now, the game itself is that old school, almost SNES style, third person, top down view, like in Zelda A Link Between, or uh, A Link to the Past. And things of that ilk. The game, the, the the game itself is beautiful, and it portrays something that I've never experienced in that art style, which is actually terror. Mm. Like the game is truly creepy and creepy to play. Now, like I've played a lot of games, horror games. I've played Resident Evil since the first one. I've played both of the Outlast games. I've played a bunch of horror games, and they're all more geared towards the realism and that's the creepy thing outside like the story and the blood and everything this is a very chibi anime art style and it's it's truly terrifying it's horribly gory so like you'll be playing and you'll kind of forget for a little bit that you're playing this true horror game is it kind of like binding of isaac in the no. visual style no okay. it's it's honestly here i can actually show you a picture it's honestly more like zelda honestly okay so it's it's the the character models are very much anime and it's got like some old school RPG elements where it'll have the smaller characters on screen and then bigger character models that are hand drawn will pop up on the screen. There'll be dialogue. Mm -hmm. The dialogue in the game is written really well. This edition is all in Japanese, so if you're looking for something in English, you're you fucking the, the screwed. Audio dialogue. Yes, like the, but the text is in English. Yes. Okay, that and would be you, hard to play otherwise. Yeah, you and you can change the text to other languages. Blah blah blah. But the writing is is very good. It's it follows the original storyline from what I understand very well. Um, essentially, it's about this school where there's this like curse on the school, and there were these killings. And you and your classmates are performing this supposed friendship ritual, and you all get sucked down into this dilapidated old school. And it's very much decision-based, so there's like a bunch of different endings you can do. Okay. And the music for the game is super creepy and super off-putting and super good. And the back-to-school edition, which is what I have, mind you, it's only $30. So if you like horror games and you have a 2DS, a 3DS... Go out and pick up this game. It's totally worth it for $30 because you get the game. You get these two little, uh, I don't want to call them statuettes or maquettes, but they're like these little, I don't even want to call them action figures. I don't know what to call them, but they're like little statue-esque things mm. of uh, two of the characters from it. And it also comes with a CD that has all of the music on it, oh, which is right. awesome. Yeah, And it, it's all $30. Yeah, you know, you, you can't really get much better than that. And like I said, the gameplay is puzzle-oriented. It's 
there's it's broken up into different chapters. I think this one has 17. Okay. And there's a bunch of different endings that you can do depending on what your what what decisions you make in the game and what certain things you do. Mm-hmm. And it, it plays out really well. I definitely would recommend lending it to you and borrowing it. If you're going to play the game, can you stop fingering your beard? <laughs> you just totally threw off my flow. Sorry. Dick Fetty is currently uh, grasping his beard, putting it into a little ponytail, and then shoving his finger in it. And there's another man with a beard. I fucking get it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to show you what I'm going to do to your sister if she's ever born. I doubt she will be. You never know. I don't know. So, I the game, I highly recommend it. I, I'll let you borrow it. If you're going to play it, definitely make friends with the save state. Because before you do anything, save. That way, if you want to go back and replay parts of the chapter and make a different decision, you can. Yeah, but I think the way you got to play all those games the first time is just do it blind, and and if you make mistakes, then you can correct it on your second playthrough. I agree. Uh, definitely pay pay attention to dialogue, too, because if you don't, you will get lost, and you might miss something. But the game is just written super well, and my second recommendation is the four-part OVA they did called Corpse Party Tortured Souls, which... Do not watch it before you play the game if you plan on playing the game because it does give a light away a lot of the plot points and a lot of like key horror stuff that happens. Uh, a lot of it's like very soft dojin. They're all very young high school students, but it does get quite sexy and there are some um, gratuitous panty shots mm. that aren't necessarily necessary, but I love anime, so I don't give a shit. Uh, Tortured Souls was a, I guess, like kind of sequel to another one missing footage it was called missing footage uh which is like a i guess like a precursor to everything else but the anime is super good and super gory and super well done for four episodes they get everything across in four episodes okay so it's something you could really watch in one sitting and after playing the game and then watching the anime itself it definitely works out really well. I know they made some movies and some other stuff that I've never seen, but I can definitely recommend the four-part OVA, which is incredible. And it's very rare to find a really good horror game that's on Nintendo in general, yeah. except nowadays that's starting to change with like the Switch, because they just recently announced that Dark Souls is coming to the Switch. Which, I thought they already did that. No, it, the, the, the remake of the original is coming out. I thought it was out. I don't think it's out yet. It might be out. Well, the re- well, I know that got delayed, and they already put out the regular remastered one. But yeah, no, they they want to get competitive. I mean, you they're losing out on a market for no reason. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, they're not. They don't. They don't they're, become less family friendly just because you have Dark Souls on your system. Well, they they've they've realized their mistakes with the Wii and the Wii U. Even though that company prints money because they've cornered the handheld market. Right. But it's very rare to get a true horror game on a Nintendo system, and let alone one that is so good. And it's within my top five of horror games I've ever played. It's really, really good. Mind you, a few of those on the list are definitely Resident Evil, so it's kind of almost mostly Resident Evil. But It's just Amnesia. That's the only horror game you ever need to play. Play I've the first Amnesia. Amnesia. I don't have a PC yeah, to play Yeah, but we, it on. we did play, what's it called? 
Amnesia, the pig one. Uh, Machine of Pigs? Machine of Pigs, Amnesia yeah. 2, which was scary. Well, why don't we just play Amnesia at some point? Well, we could. But I always... It, the same thing happens to me every time I play Amnesia. I get to the same part, and I'm like, this is too scary, and then I stop playing. Well, I'll be there to it's, hold your hand. It does not matter. It is so very scary. Amnesia's terrifying. It's like... My buddy Jared only beat the game when he played it in broad daylight with the wind, like the the sun out and the lights on and just, you know, basically I think he did a couple lines and just said, I'm getting through this. But I remember we had the earthquake in New Jersey years ago. Yeah, I was living down south, drunk as shit. Okay, well. And there was a bunch of tornadoes. I was at home playing the Amnesia DLC Justine and the earthquake happened in sync with what was happening in the game and... I just haven't gone back since. It was fucking terrifying. Oh so. God, now I need to see you play this. Yeah. And anyway, I, it, this just popped in my head. Honorable mention. I'm not going to review it because God knows I haven't played it in decades. But um, there was one other very very good horror game that was on a Nintendo console, and that was Eternal Darkness. Eternal Darkness way back on the GameCube. Yeah. So, but that's besides the point. Play the game. Uh, doesn't matter if you play it on a 2DS or a 3DS or whatever. The size of the screen really doesn't alter it in any way, um, but definitely play it with headphones on in the dark, so that's all you hear. Yeah. Because the voice acting is phenomenal, the music is great, the sound design for the effects and everything are get really immersed. great. Get immersed. Get yeah. immersed. Truly get all up in that corpse party, is what I'm trying to say. And that is my recommendation of the week. Love that. We'll have to play that. We'll have to see that. Yeah. Do those things. We will. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Graham. Well, great job, Ben. You really nailed that recommendation. Thank you. Out of the park. Wow. Yeah. It's like you were actually hitting a baseball with a baseball bat. There. I was thinking of Violent Cop because oh. he hits that guy in the head. That's true. With a bat. With a bat. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thank you again, guys, for joining us. We appreciate the love and support we've been getting for these Musical Fun Time episodes. Hopefully you're finding out about some music you haven't heard before, finding out about some video games, comics, etc. that you haven't checked out before. And uh, as always, if you have recommendations or things you want us to talk about, you know, or, or just want to disagree with our opinions, let us know on, on our various social medias, Motel Hell Podcast at everything, and our respective Instagram accounts, Concrete Mascara, and Ben the Beardo. And uh, anything else to add? Still haven't gotten any emails to our Gmail account. Someone please email us so I have a reason to keep checking it. All right. <laughs> well, you heard it here. We need emails to live. We're like vampires for your attention. So, yeah, thanks again, guys. We'll be back again in a couple weeks. Later, nerds. Later.